You're listening to The Promised Church's Message of the Week. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. This morning's worship was incredible. So we just seal every work that the Lord did in your life in that moment. Um, At the end of worship, something stuck out to me, and it was the drums. They were going boom, 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 boom. And I was like, Lord, I hear the drums of the king coming in, ushering in the king. I mean, probably in the old days, they had the drummers before the band. They even put the drummers before um, the war people as well. And they set the cadence. They set the the pace. And this morning, I feel like the Lord was just releasing uh, a holiness into this room that just came forth from the drums. It was awesome. Um, I hope you were feeling that and experienced that as well. Goes along with my title this morning, Radical Obedience. Come on, church, radical obedience. Now, I know the word radical has got a bad rap, okay? Some people use this word radical to be destructive, to be rude, unkind, all sorts of nasty stuff. But I'm not talking about that type of radical. I'm not talking about that mindset or that attitude. I'm talking about a radical obedience to the call of God on your life. Not just to the dreams and desires that he's placed, in your life, but the call of God on your life. For now, for in an hour, in two hours, in three hours, for tomorrow and the next day. In Colossians 1.10, Paul is praying for the church of Coloss. He has a love for this church, and he says this. He says that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. When I read this verse, I've read it many times, but when I read this verse, it shook me. Because it says this word, worthy. Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Now, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He's delivered us. He's saved us. He's set us apart. And in this receiving of salvation and deliverance, there's something that we get to do. Now we get to walk it out. We get to walk it out. It says that we would walk our salvation out with fear and trembling, not because we're scared of darkness, because we have a reverence and an awe for our Father God. See, our obedience in our lives, it matters. Our day-to-day decisions matter. I know for myself, I can get focused on way out, far out things, like next year or even next month. But I'm talking about what matters is now. What's taking place, the decisions, the conversations, the relationships in your life matter now. I want our, our vision, yes, we're, to, we're called to dream dreams and set goals and, and get there. But this process along the way, our walk, it matters. And Paul says, don't just let it be any walk, but let it be a walk worthy of the Lord. This means that we got to adjust a lot of things in our heart, in our life, in our mindsets. 
Because we have this thing called our flesh who loves to scream, me, 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 I want, I want, I need, I need. Anybody there with me? You know what I'm talking about, the flesh. You woke up this morning and maybe you're like, ah, I need more sleep. Oh, I'm tired. I need more caffeine. I need my kids to just be quiet. (laughs) Our flesh cries out. I need, I need, I want, I want. The divine purpose and call of God on our life is important and valuable. But see, you won't know that you're called, that you're set apart, unless you know who you are. Who you are. See, in Jeremiah 1.5, it says this, Before I formed you, before you or I was formed, in the womb, the Lord knew us. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before anything happened between a man and a woman, God knew us. He sanctified us. He ordained us as a prophet to the nations. Ordained means to be set in, to be placed in. He knew us. He knows us. He had a plan and purpose for us before we were even formed, molded, and shaped in his likeness and image. In Jeremiah 29, 11, here's what God thinks about us. He says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God is a good God. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make something like less than or second best. You are not second best. You are not less than. You have been set in. You've been labeled. You have been called out, cleaned up, delivered to be his child. See, it says that we live in this world, but we're not of this world. Because when you ask Jesus to come in and clean up your heart, guess what? The kingdom that you live for now is the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven rules and reigns above all. Now we live on this earth and we see fallen things. We experience hurts and pains. But guess what? Our walk does not have to be subject to that. As that scripture goes on, it says... Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and I will and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That's powerful. Do you want to know the thoughts that God has for you, his plans, his desires for you? What does it say? If you go, you pray, you seek him. <laughs> You give him all of your heart, he will deliver. He will show up. He will come through. He will bring healing and peace and freedom. He will take a situation that seems like years of years of hurt and pain and agony and come and heal it. It doesn't make sense 
to the natural world, but we're not subject to this realm. We're subject to his kingdom in his realm. Radical obedience sounds like searching for him with all of your heart. I'd like that it says, search me and you will find me. (laughs) Very simple. He doesn't say, let's play hide and go seek and see if you can find me. He says, no, if you do it, you will find me. I don't play games. This is for real. See, a good person doing good deeds, checking off the checklist, making sure we don't break the Ten Commandments. I think we can do that in this room pretty easily. But there's got to become a power that comes through our obedience, a resurrection power. That we're not just good people for goodness sake, but we're good people for the kingdom of God. That we are a, a conduit, a vessel that he can flow through us. That our goodness releases heaven. That our truth releases heaven. That, that our life, our words releases life. Because we are connected to the kingdom of heaven. We are set apart. You say, well, that sounds all nice and easy, you know, like sounds great, words sound good. But let me tell you, all of this that I speak of cannot be done in our own strength, or our own power. Like this morning in the presence of the Lord as we worshiped, you could feel the presence of the Lord here. There was things happening inside of our hearts, inside of our minds, inside of our beings that couldn't be mustered up in our own strength or our own intellect, but it's literally just the presence of God coming in and filling us up. In Zechariah 4, 6, it says, Not by power, excuse me, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I think since we live in the United States, we have a lot of comforts. We have a lot of ways to make our lives easier. And those aren't bad things, but we can get trapped into them and rely on a resource or a a talent or an ability or, or something natural to make a way for us. But here's what the word of God says. No power of your own, no might, you can't muster it up enough can make the way of the Lord happen. It has to happen through the Spirit. Here's the amazing thing. See, Jesus, when he walked on earth, he gave us power and authority. I love it. He gave us power and authority so that when we walk here on earth, when we're at our jobs, when we're with our families, when we're at the grocery stores, we don't have to be subject to all the doom and gloom around us. We don't have to be subject to any spirit of hopelessness. He is available to us and for us. In Luke 10, 19, it says this. Jesus is talking and he says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Who receives that this morning? Come on, that's the word of God. It's alive, it's living, this is truth. 
It can't be snuffed out and it can't be taken away. And Jesus says this to you and I, when you are a son and daughter of the king, you have power and authority. You are not subject to these things. You have authority over them. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, which he does at times, and guess what? That's probably going to happen in our lives. We're not subject to what the enemy is bringing to us. He has to bow. He has to, his plans can, plans can be destroyed at the name of Jesus. Because we're a son and daughter and this is the authority and the power that we carry. We have, that's available for you for I. John 14, 20 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Again, this is Jesus talking. Now come on, all of us in this room have heard stories when Jesus was here on earth. He saw crippled people be healed, blonde eyes open. People raised from the dead. And this is Jesus, and he's talking to you and I before he ascended to his father. And he said, look, I'm going to go to my father. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit here, this is what you are capable of doing. What I've called you and commissioned you to do. That you will do even greater works. Lord Jesus, we want to see the greater works. I want us to get a mindset of when I wake up tomorrow morning and when I go up about my day today, God, that I am literally thinking, God, I want my obedience, my radical obedience to see greater works happen through my life. You know, I don't know about you, but I kind of get tired of living a, a mediocre life at times, just kind of cruise control. And it's time that the Lord says, hey, guess what? I got some truth for you. I got some plans for you. Are you going to receive them? Are you going to walk in them? Greater works. We talked about this radical obedience, but I want to share a little bit more. Radical obedience is a full commitment of your will and affections. It's a full commitment of your will and affections. Your will, that means everything, your desires, your thoughts, your wants, your needs. It's totally surrendered to the Lord. And not only surrendered, but now you're committed to it. You're holding fast to it. You're holding fast to responding to the heart of the Lord. You're responding to respond to his word of truth. The power and authority that he's given us. So as you go out this week and you see that friend, you're going to pull out that friendship Sunday card and say, hey, you should come. And I'm believing in those words that there's actually going to be something that hits their heart. And they're going to feel the presence of the Lord even in that moment. Because you stepped out and you were obedient. See, I'm talking about the everyday things, not only the big things, the everyday things. So that's number one. Radical obedience is a commitment of your will and affections to the Lord. On my affections, holy smokes, come on. Who here loves somebody in the room? Yeah, it's real. Affections are real. 
there's something that happens when some affection comes through you and you're like, "Woo, I love you. You start noticing things. You start seeing things. You start saying things. You start feeling things. And the Lord says, I want those. I want those affections. And I believe he's going to reveal himself in a way that does captivate your heart beyond all comprehension. That's going to take your gaze and no distraction is going to be able to pull it off of him. Romans 13, 14 says, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. Whoa. Okay. Um, When I get in a situation, sometimes, well, probably most of the time, I'm thinking, all right, how can I make this work? What can I do? Uh, You know, this needs to happen. That needs to happen. Instead of putting on the Lord and saying, okay, Lord, Not my will, not my way, not my desires, but yours, Lord. I give you permission to come in and speak. Lord, I want to walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you in the situation. I know I can run to a safety net, right? Like, oh, this is a safe thing. I'm going to grab this. This will work, right? The Lord says, let me be that. Let me be the safe thing that you run to, that you cling to. That you don't let go when things get rough. And it says, don't gratify the desires of your flesh. Now listen, when you clothe yourself, the Lord's not saying, oh, just layer me on top of everything else that you got. Sorry, he's not saying that. He wants to strip you of everything and he wants him to be put on. It's not a layering method of maybe a little of us and a little of him. No. Radical obedience is all of him and none of us. Paul does a great job and says, oh, Lord, less of me and more of you. Less of me and more of you. I love Paul because he lived a crazy radical life before Jesus and then for Jesus. And Paul got tortured and beat. Matter of fact, he says in the word that he got beat more than all of us and and tortured more than anybody that he was with at that time. But he says, I count it all joy to honor the Lord, to walk worthy of the Lord. Man, that convicted my heart because I think like, well, I live in such a nice country, America, and, and maybe someone says they want to take a privilege of mine away and, and I throw a hissy fit. And I look at Paul's life and I'm like, wow, how in the world can I throw a fit? Lord, I count it all joy to walk worthy and pleasing to you. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if something seems to be taken away from me. I want to go into the story of Daniel in the lion's den. I love this story for many reasons and you're going to hear it, but... uh, His life does a great job of displaying, walking faithful to the Lord, being radical in his obedience for Jesus, even when he faces death, even when people come against him, try to get him, uh, I guess, dismissed from the situation. His life walks out an amazing 
representation of radical obedience looks like. We're going to read quite a bit, so bear with me. But we're going to have some good breaks in between as well. Daniel 6.1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 saffrets. Satraps, excuse me. To be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Now listen, the king's smart, okay? He's got a kingdom. He wants to make sure it's taken care of and well-managed. So he's like, he realizes he can't take everything, all of his land, so he's going to get 120 people out there and then put three governors over all of them. He's a smart man. As we read on in chapter, verse uh, 3. Then this, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now let me just stop here for a minute. So Daniel had been in the kingdom serving the king. And when it came to it, the king was looking over several men. 120 men and then three men. But what does it say about Daniel? It said Daniel had an excellent spirit on him. Can I just ask you if I went to your workplace and talked to your boss, or I went home, talked to your spouse, would they say that you have a spirit of excellence? You're going to see why Daniel's life in the end, meant so much in his everyday choices of how he served the king, how he made his decisions, how he honored the king, and how he honored others. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Holy smokes! These dudes are out looking for anything and everything they can throw Daniel under the bus for, and they can't find one thing. That's a powerful life. That is a life of radical obedience to the Lord. Not one fault, not one error. And they were, I'm sure, really searching and looking for that. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Interesting. They went after his life and they couldn't find fault. They couldn't find blame. They couldn't find anything to throw on him. So who'd they go after? His God. Wow. Guess what? I want my life to be found blameless without fault. Now, it's not perfect, but you know what I'm saying. Because when they go after God, they're already gone. They're defeated. Like, they had no idea what they were doing. They thought they were being smart and wise in this situation. They had no clue what's going to be happening to them. Verse 6, so these governors and satraps Throned before the king and said this to him, King Darius, live forever. Look at them. They're brown nosing. Oh, King Darius, live forever, king. We love you. All the governors of the king and the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors, 
had consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign, sign the writing so that it cannot be charged, changed according to the law of the, how do we say this? Mids, Medes, thank you, Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, come on, these guys, they went to the boss, okay? I, I know that we have similar situations in our lives, different circumstances, where we feel like we've been bullied or, or maybe pushed out of a situation or position or felt like we should have received something and it didn't. And here, these guys are going to the king and saying, hey, king, we love, you're so great. We worship you and honor you. You should really do this because you're such a great king. You should make a law and decree and say no one else can bow or worship any other idol or man or God except for you, O king, because you're so great. Here's what Daniel's response was. Now, most of us would be like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Um, Lord, dethrone the king and, and, and God, take out these persecutors that are, are coming after me and, and trying to get me killed and, and shine bad light on me. But here's what Daniel did in verse 10. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. Okay. And in the upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Now listen, look at his response. He went home and he bowed down and prayed and gave thanks to the Lord. He gave thanks. He didn't cry out to the Lord and said, spare my life, O God. For I have served you faithfully. I have not turned to the right nor the left, but my heart, my life has been a surrender to you. No, he gave thanks. I know with decisions and things that are being happening in our society right now, in our nation, where do we bend our knee? At giving thanks to the Lord in the midst of it not looking good? Maybe it's not right. Or are we saying, God, do this and do that. And, oh, Lord, do you not hear me and, and do you not see me? See, Daniel wasn't worried about God being God. He just knew Daniel was supposed to be Daniel and give thanks. It's amazing commitment to the Lord. Radical obedience. My second point, radical obedience is thankful in all circumstances. In all of them. Paul says, I counted all joy in trials and tribulations. How do you do that, Paul? It's when you bow your knee to the king and you give thanks. When you give thanks to the king, it opens up heaven. It's a key that unlocks the supernatural to come and move in your life and in my life. Let's go to verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king, of course, tattletales, and spoke concerning the king's decree. 
Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of the lions? Here's what the king's got to do. The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. The king can't change the law. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show regard, due regard to you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. Interesting. The king didn't know he was being deceived, but now it's biting him in his tush. Because he actually likes Daniel. See, Daniel's life before the situation found favor with the king. His spirit of excellence, faithfulness, found favor with the king. Even when the king didn't believe what Daniel believes or trusts in what Daniel trusts. This is the way our life should be lived. That when the squeeze comes, the tension, the pressure comes, that the ones around us are saying, oh my, I know you're faithful. I know you're excellent. I know your life is surrendered to the king, Jesus. Verse 15. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's go to 14. Back there. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Wow, this king is loving Daniel. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statue which the king established may be changed. These guys are really faithful, letting the king know, hey, you can't change your mind. You did it. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Daniel knew the road that he was going down could lead to death. He lived an amazing life. And when the point came to him being thrown in the lion's den, the king says, is putting faith in God when he believes he's the king. He's the only king. And he says, your God, whom you serve continually, will deliver you. That sounds like a face statement. Do you ever have people in your life where they get in bad circumstances or situations immediately they're calling you? Maybe they're not living the way you live or, or, or love God the way you love God. But they know that your God is faithful. They know that they can run to you for help and that God's going to come through on your behalf. It's an amazing thing. God calls us to be healing to the nations and this is one way we're called to be healing to our neighbors and our family and our friends. That our life lives a life of faithfulness and righteousness, radical obedience to the Lord. When people come to us, they know God's going to come through. 
So Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. In verse 17, then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his signet ring and with the signet of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, again, fasting. (laughs) And no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the the den of lions. So the king woke up and ran to the den of lions. It's amazing. Daniel spent all night in that den. Did he get delivered from that den? Overnight, he didn't. He was there. Sometimes in our, our radical surrender, we have to be where it's uncomfortable. We have to choose the uncomfortable. We have to go along with some things that don't make sense. But Daniel is in that den. It's so amazing that the Bible doesn't say that he was crying out for help, that he was saying, come help me, save me someone, I'm innocent. He wasn't pleading a case. He went to the den. He was there all night. Now the king wakes up and runs to that den. And when the king came to the den, he cried out with a loud voice and spoke, Daniel, servant of the living God. Your God, who you continually serve, has he been able to deliver you? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Okay, he's honoring the king still, even when he's in the den. He could be mad at the king. The king threw him in the den of lions to be eaten. The king was deceived by other men. He could have had a lot of things, anger. He could have been frustrated, mad, upset with the king. And his response to the king was, oh king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lion's mouth. So they had not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. Oh, king, I have done no wrong before you. Come on, I know that a lot of things in our lives, whether it's mandates, our president, whatever, and it's pushing us into some dens, some situations, some facing some lions. Things have been seemed like they've been wronged, taken away. But know this, God is faithful. See, the den, the lion's den, didn't look like a place that the Lord was going to do much for Daniel. But he showed up and he spared him. He saved him. No harm was done to him. (laughs) 
See, for number three, radical obedience believes God is faithful in all things. He's faithful. No matter what the road we look like we're walking on, where it's going, he's faithful. See, Daniel's life represented many things. Many things that we have access to today. His life lived the fruit of the Spirit. See, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. See, there's something that the world can never steal from us, can never take or stop. And it's the spirit of the Lord. See, Daniel had the spirit of faithfulness in his life. So people knew his life represented faithfulness. He had the spirit of forbearance or long-suffering. He was willing to do whatever God called him to do. And no matter what law or decree the king made, nothing could come against that. Nothing could be stolen from him. Would you stand with me? This morning, I just want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to just move in this room in our hearts and I want to pray over some people in the room this morning my number one point to radical obedience was a commitment of your will and affections to the Lord. And I want to ask you this morning if there's anybody in the room that doesn't know Jesus. Jesus was a man that walked on this earth, God's son, over 2,000 years ago. He lived a perfect life. He made the world so upset. Isn't that funny? He didn't do it. Darkness hated his life. And there's this thing called sin that we live with around every day. But he climbed up on a cross, was beaten and tortured. And he said, this sin that makes you dirty, that brings you down, I've destroyed it. 
And on that cross, he hung up there and he said, it is finished. He was talking about death, despair. It is finished. Hopelessness, it is finished. Stress, anxiety, and fear, it is finished. And then he was put in a grave for three days. And on that third day, he rose. Hallelujah. Because our king is above all kings. He's alive and he's living. And he wants to come and live inside of you. And if there's anybody in the room this morning and you say, yeah, I want to say yes to Jesus. It simply means you are walking one direction for yourself, doing things in and of yourself. Now you're going to turn your life, face him, and follow him. Just like radical obedience, every decision, every interaction matters. So if that's you in this room this morning, if you would raise your hand, all we want to do is come alongside of you and, and encourage you and be excited because this journey with Jesus is awesome. It's awesome. It's so fulfilling and and fills you up like more than anything else in the world can fill you up. If your heart's pounding a little bit, that might be you. I remember I was in these seats many, many years ago and someone did an altar call and my heart leapt and said, yes, Lord, I want to know you. I want to follow you and live for you. Let me tell you, that was the best decision of my life and saved my life as well in so many ways. Amen. Radical obedience. I know for myself, this word has convicted me to the core for the last couple weeks. And I started doing things differently. I started listening a little bit more clearly, having a lot less distraction and a lot more focus on the Lord. And guess what? My schedule changed. What I had on my docket to do, all of a sudden the Lord was putting in other things to do. And I kind of was wrestling with the Lord because I said, Lord, I need to study. I need to do this. I need to get this done. And he's like, will you trust me? Will you be obedient? And I was like, well, yes, Lord, I have to. I'm speaking. Like, I need to be able to live this out. (laughs) But it was hard. It wasn't always easy. It didn't always make me feel like butterflies and and rainbows and, you know, cotton candy or whatever those sayings are. (laughs) It was a choice I had to make. And I can say the Lord redeemed my time where I thought I lost a couple hours here and an hour there. Boom. Later on in the week, my schedule got shifted around. So more windows of opportunity happened and things happened. And it actually worked out even better. Even better. So this morning, if you just put your hands out to receive talk to the Lord and say, Lord, where can I give you more of my affections? 
God, how can I surrender my will to you even more? God, how can I be more faithful? How can I walk in excellence? Holy Spirit, I pray that over each one of these men and women in this building, God, that you would pour out your heart for each one of them, that they know who they are, the value, the worth that you placed on their life. God, and I pray that you would come and remove labels that are not of you, lies that are not of you. And Holy Spirit, fill them with who you've called them to be, how you've called them to live and walk, how you've called them to love you and others. We thank you, Jesus. going to go into a song and with some obedience on your heart and your mind surrender surrender you 